You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at VisitWilliamsburg.com. Right, on the line with me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is once again my buddy Pierce Nellis. Pierce, what's up? Not a lot, man. Just uh, waiting on my turkey feeders to roll around and envying yours a little bit. Dude, it, it feels weird to be sitting in this position right now where I waited and waited and waited for so long and then it was go time and you hop in the car you fill your tags, you blast home, and then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of done for the year. Like that's kind of it. Like I've, I've got a little bit more hunting than I'll do around here, but because of what I just did, I'm probably not going to work up the gumption to be like, hey, Tiffany, you should let me go hunting again. You know, like if I hadn't filled a tag or something, then maybe there would be some like, hey, don't you feel bad for me? I didn't get a turkey. At this point, I, I, I got nothing. Like I, I literally have have no recourse. At this point, you've got. At this point, you've got the uh, argument though of saying like, "Look at how efficient I was the first time I went up this year. <laughs> I thought I could make a long weekend out of another season and be right back, and we'll be filling or filling the freezer." That's right. You know what? That's that's probably the best angle, actually. So now I've got kids that want to get out. So both kids, both of my older two, mm-hmm. are upset that I didn't bring them to Wisconsin. And uh, I took my son on Sunday morning before church, and we hunted together. I get home that day. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, walks up to me and punches me in the stomach, playfully, granted. But she's mad that I didn't take her turkey hunting because Sundays are supposed to be her days. Saturdays are my son Sutton's days. So it's just a mess. I, I've, I've got to get out and do some more hunting. I will probably not be the one with a gun in my hand, though. Um, mm-hmm. For the rest of the hunting, well, that's a good problem to have. It is, yeah, dude. I mean, it, 
it's hard to explain, but I get so much more taking them hunting than I do going by myself. Like it's, it's such a richer experience in so many ways. Now we're less likely to get on birds. We're less likely to kill something. We're definitely less likely to chase down like the gobble we heard the other morning. I'm like, yeah, that, that dude can have a good, a good morning because, (laughs) because me and this six year old are not going to make it to him in time before he flies down. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or even make it over there quietly enough to get close. But, uh, anyway, Pierce, man, I I thought what we would do, I wanted to recap my hunt in Wisconsin and in Iowa, and maybe even a little bit here in Georgia since I got back. Cause I had a a really good hunt Saturday morning and and a, a pretty good hunt Sunday morning. So I thought I'd recap all of that, but here's the thing. I'm really, really bad at recounting my own story. Like when I come back from a trip and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna put this story out there. I have to spend a ton of time writing down notes and like almost writing out word for word what I wanna say, or I'll just skip over major Mm -hmm. details. And the next thing you know, I'm shooting a bird on, you know, some, uh, on a property that some prominent outdoor industry person used to lease. And you're like, wait, how did you get, how did you end up there? Like, how did, wait, how did that happen? but I would just breeze right past it. So uh, for those listening, what I've asked Pierce to do today uh, is to kind of play host a little bit, uh, to be the one kind of performing the interview while I answer the questions and Pierce helps me to tell the story because I'm not a good enough storyteller on my own. uh, And it's more fun to talk about the hunt because you and I haven't really gotten to sit down and like talk about the whole thing. We've done bits and pieces. You know, I, I, I know after I filled the tag, I think I sent you a picture and you sent me a, or you called me and you were like, what the heck is going on over there? Because last you heard, I wasn't having any luck. Like things weren't going good. There was a hailstorm, And then you, then, you know, Mm -hmm. a picture of a spent long beard XR casing (laughs) goes out. But um, anyway, so Pierce, are you, are you game for that today? Kind of playing host a little bit? Absolutely. I would be happy to. And it was, you know, I had so many questions too throughout the whole thing. So I was traveling all, uh, you know, the last weekend and everything. I was out in California on Catalina Island visiting my sister where the reception just sucked. And so I was just getting bits and pieces of your text and I was getting, you know, a, a message here and then I get three messages here all at once. And I was like, wait a minute, what's the timeline of all this stuff? Like yeah. how, how did all of this happen? And so it wasn't until I got back to the mainland and got some, uh, got some better reception though that I was able to finally call you and be like dude you gotta fill me in on what the heck just happened <laughs> in Iowa here and then I had another series of unfortunate events and car trouble that kept me from joining you in Wisconsin but same kind of thing it was just all of a sudden my phone's blowing up and I'm like what on earth why is there an empty shotgun shell you just told me you guys didn't hear anything or somebody beat you to a spot all yeah. that stuff so yeah just a just a blur, man. The whole the whole thing was a blur. Um, so probably the best way to start off this episode, though, I do need to say thanks to our partners. Uh, they they help us to make this show possible. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Tacticam. Now I got to film two hunts with my Tacticams. I'm going to do two short videos later this week, where number one, I show you how I like to set up my Tacticams in relation to um, my turkey hunting setups, where. I found this is a very good way for me to capture all of the action. The second video I'm gonna do, I'm gonna talk about what not to do when you're filming your hunt on a Tacticam camera because both of those hunts, um, I got the footage on the 6.0, the turkey's coming in, 
boom, get the shot, and then I, because I shoot a, a, a pump action shotgun, mm-hmm. I pump it to eject the shell, flip the safety on. That's like my normal thing. I don't put another shell in or anything like that right away because usually the turkey's just flopping. And I stand the gun up next to me like I get it safe. You know, it's not pointing in any direction or anything like that. I can go out there to my bird without worrying about walking in front of the muzzle, blah, blah, blah. Well, what I end up doing is missing part of the footage. So, boom, shot happens, turkey's down, and then boom, sky is all that the, the, the camera sees. And in my excitement, I forget to keep the camera down and, like, point it at all the action and just wait there for a minute, you know, to get a little bit more of that footage. So, um, I'm going to be doing some of those, but I had the chance to hunt with the 6.0s. And they're just phenomenal. The the casing on these new or the housing on these new cameras compared to the 5.0s or the 5.0 wides or the Solo Extremes, uh, which are all really, really nice. The housing, though, is not circular like the old housings used to be. Um, and that right. means a couple of things. Number one, it's always straight in your mount. Like used to, your, your mount on the end of your barrel could be straight, but your camera could be twisted just a little bit if you didn't get it just right. But on the 6.0s, there's like no question. It's in it's right. It's in the right spot because the top of it's flat. Um, and they just take great footage. Great sound quality, as I've found. You can hear turkeys, turkeys gobbling on it, so that's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, now I've got a couple of kill videos. Too, right? Oh, yeah, the touch screen, which is awesome. You can like glance down at the screen and see exactly what it's pointed at rather than having to pull up the app on your phone and figure out, okay, where's this thing pointed? Um, so I sent an email over to uh, my contact at Tacticam said, Hey, got to film some, you know, some hunts. This was great. Love these cameras. And, uh, the guy was like, awesome. Can't wait to see the footage. I'm like, Oh, well, (laughs) Uh, uh, it's awesome until the shot happens. Like the, the footage is great. And then boom. And then it's, it's not so good, but uh, hey, you had a handful of other cameras rolling though. Oh correct? yeah, oh yeah, we had we had several yeah. at a time. Ex- well, my Wisconsin bird, we only had uh, the, the the six O and the bigger camera back behind me that my camera guy had. Uh, so we didn't right. really get the full picture of that. But that's a crazy story. I mean, we had like ten seconds to set up, so mm-hmm. um, that that had to happen quick. But. Um, Next up, Huntworth, man. I have this is my first turkey season wearing Huntworth clothes, and it's been it's been phenomenal. I mean, it, it obviously worked really well in Iowa. Obviously worked really well in Wisconsin. It's worked really in the well. No, nonetheless. Yeah, in the snow, in in temperatures that I didn't expect, in wind <laughs> that I was not expecting. You know, thirty mile an hour winds with a thirty degree temperature in the morning and snow on the ground. That not what I expected. So apparently my life is just one big commercial for Huntworth and how crappy the conditions can be that you can still hunt in because just like with my rutcation back in November, I hunted in the worst of the worst turkey weather. So my first day in Iowa, it was 80, 80 degrees or 80 something degrees or whatever it was. I'm just cooking, man. Just, you know, it's hot outside, but I get down to just the, the base layers and of the, on my top, and then the, the um, Durham lightweight pants was fine, was great. The only thing that made me miserable after that was I was wearing knee-high rubber boots, and those are just the worst when it's 80 degrees outside. The next day, literally, the temperature drops from 80 degrees as a high to, like, the mid-30s the next day as the, the next morning as the low. So it dropped 50 degrees overnight. Um, that's a shock to the system. 
I don't care who you are. But the Huntworth gear kept me warm. Uh, I had a couple of pieces of warm gear, but not a ton. But, man, the, the pattern kept up. Uh, the, the clothing kept me comfortable, so that was awesome. Big shout-out to Huntworth. You can go check them out, huntworthgear.com. And then, obviously, Onyx. We went from no plans to hunt in Iowa to got a tag in my pocket and know all the public places that I'm going to hit in a week's time. Those public places didn't pan out. I go to, okay, who are some private landowners? I get permission on a private property. I smoke a bird. And all of that, I think, is because of Onyx, because I was able to actually track down a landowner with some, some speed uh, on a parcel that was you know, going to be a good parcel. And one of my big things when I'm trying to find permission in these, um, like out of, on these out-of-state hunts, you might pull up a, a, a property, let's say, and it may be, you know, DCFW investments or such and such a farmland assets or whatever might be the landowner. Well, those you can be pretty sure it's you're not going to get in touch with them in time to to make it happen. Right. Like if you've got three or four days to hunt, you're probably not going to reach out to an investment company and get an answer on whether or not you can hunt there in a speedy amount of right. time. But if you find an individual, which I ended up finding an individual with uh, like 900 acres. And was was able to get permission to hunt there. Was able to tag my turkey there, and was able to do that really, really quickly with uh, with Onyx. And so I went into that property blind. Had never sat there before. Went where the landowner told me because he was able to point it out. Uh, and I'm using my Onyx map to find my way into where I'm supposed to go exactly because he's serious about not tromping around on his farm. And I shoot a bird there that morning, sitting exactly where he told me to. So. You can go check them out, onyxmaps.com, or you can find them on the app store of your choice and uh, get a seven-day free trial if you're not already using it. And if you are already using it, you should really consider upgrading to the Elite membership. Uh, You get all kinds of perks and discounts and all kinds of cool stuff with that as well, not to mention you get all 50 states, which if you want to begin to travel to hunt. That perks list just keeps growing. Oh, dude, all the time. They've got these classes that are going on there now, like these turkey hunting master classes. Those are amazing. Um Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with the with, with wanting to go out of state, more and more guys are trying that out. I highly recommend it. I love traveling out of state to hunt. And if you want to do that, the first step is having some kind of software to figure out, okay, where in the heck can I hunt and access? Because honestly, these state websites, they're not, they're not always up to date. Like a lot of times you just don't see the find the properties. It's really, really difficult. Or if you're like where I was mm-hmm. in Iowa, you've got to go, if you want to find it from a state level, You've got to go to individual county websites and figure out from the county exactly what places are open to hunting. Or you can pull up on X and it'll tell you. So whatever you want to do. I'd rather just get on X and uh, have that figured out. So big thanks to Onyx, big thanks to Tacticam and Huntworth. That's out of the way. Pierce, I'm going to let you take it from here, man. And uh, yeah, where do you want to go? Where do, where do we start? Well, I think we ought to start, I mean, just at the beginning of your season. You and I have been talking this entire spring. Um, I mean, really pretty much since deer season ended uh, in the fall, we've been making that mental shift to turkeys here. Um, We've been chatting about where we're going to hunt, when we're going to hunt, all that stuff. So why don't we kick it off um, at the start of not even your season, but uh, you got to take your kids out, as you mentioned earlier um, in the episode here. Uh, Why don't we start there? You're on some... uh, on, on a lease down in Georgia and yeah. uh, there happened to be some big names down there. One of them may or may not have swatted a bird from you uh, that you had on camera, <laughs> but 
I'll let you tell that story. Uh, yeah. let, let's hear about that first. Yeah, man, that's a good one. So uh, ended up joining a lease because the public lands here are all quota. And so if you don't get drawn for the quota, you don't get to hunt until May 1st. And then you've got May 1st to May 15th, which if you know the South, it could be 95 degrees on May 1st. I have no interest in hunting in 95 degree weather. Uh, not only because it doesn't feel good, but you got ticks, you've got snakes, you've got birds that aren't acting normal. You've got high humidity and lots of greenery out. So you, I mean, really to hear a bird, you've got to be real close. And we'll get back to that maybe at the end here. But remember the other day when I texted you, I said, I just heard what might not have been a gobble, but I feel like I need to set up anyway. I sat down, called again, and boom, they thundered in my direction. They were 150 yards from me. So I went from, I can't even tell if that was a gobble or a distant dog bark to, oh my gosh, those turkeys are 150 yards away. So, um, so anyway, so I wanted to join this lease and get in on this, this property hunting a little bit early. And the big motivator for me was to get my kids out. I knew I would have opportunities in Iowa, Wisconsin, later season here in Georgia. I've got opportunities over in Alabama. So I knew I would get my hunting in, but I want my kids to not have to go out there and compete with everybody and their brother on, on public land. I just, I I want them to have a better experience Mm -hmm. than that. So we joined the lease. I went out there with my son. We got on a turkey first day, chased it around, got real close. A guy drove through on a four-wheeler. That turkey shut up. We ended up hiking six miles that day. My son was an absolute trooper. Um, and, I was going to say, you guys had a heck of a day. Yeah, dude, and he's just a monster. Like, he scares me when mm-hmm. it comes to turkey hunting because he just wants to keep going. And I'm like, dude, fi- <laughs> like physically, I don't know. He can't walk through the woods as quickly as I can. But on the roads, he yep. can keep up with me every like step for step, and so uh, sure. I'm worried that, that one day we're gonna fire in him from having those. Yeah, yeah. From his first experience, that, that in Wisconsin. fire in him from having those turkeys gobble his gobble in his face last year. Yeah, dude. Like that's got him fired up. So like my big concern with him though is getting way back in there. You know, if we go tromping too far, mm-hmm. and then him tiring out because he is only six. And, you know, needing to be carried out or something like, "Ah, I'm not going to carry a 50 pound Mm -hmm. kid for six miles or whatever, you know, however far it is. So a 30 um, pound bird, I mean, yeah, yeah. You kill, you kill a giant (laughs) bird back in there. You, we've got problems. So, um, but then I took my daughter out the next day, got on that same bird. I think it was the same bird. Cause I was getting pictures of these two, two toms strutting in this field, like every day. Um, we made a big loop around them. We almost got them. She got ready to leave, and, and she, I mean, we've got a bird that gobbles every time we make a noise, and she's like, I'm ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh no. First lesson <laughs> of turkey hunting is that's not when you leave. Um, but she was ready. I get it. And she, she needed to go to the bathroom, uh, mm-hmm. but she wouldn't go in the woods. She was like, I'm a lady, and I don't do that. It's like, oh, <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to respect that. But... Uh, I'm not leaving yet because we got a goblin turkey. So it kind of came down to either spook the bird or kill the bird kind of thing for us. Yep. And he wasn't moving anyway. Like he wasn't, he, he wasn't even working our direction. Um, mm-hmm. He was, he was just in one spot. And so I think we ended up pushing a little too close on him and ended up, ended up bumping him out of there. So I missed April 1st. I was out consulting on a property on a, on a whitetail property with a guy on April 1st, which was our, general opener for adults. And I get a, I get a message that was like, you know, Dave Owens killed your Turkey. And I was like, I'm sorry, do do what? 
And the guy was like, yeah, man, Dave Owens went in there where you were with your kids last week and killed one of those two Toms. And I was like, no freaking way. So then this, this past week I go out there to the lease. I, I hadn't been back out to the lease. And I look, and sure enough, Dave Owens' name right there on the, on the sign-in sheet and right there on the kill sheet as the only person who's killed a turkey out there so far this year. Uh, <laughs> but very quickly realized, like, I may have, uh, I may have joined the wrong league. Competition. Yeah, like my calling is never going <laughs> to do if Dave Owens is the other guy. You know, one of the other guys out here calling at these birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're either all dead or uh, they're not falling for my calling. But anyway, so I, I sent uh, Dave a message, and he confirmed. So apparently I'm on a lease. At least I don't know if Dave's got a buddy on the lease or if he is on the lease personally or, or what the case is. But anyway, Dave Owens shot my turkey. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> I wonder how many guys. Better than Joe that. Schmo, though. Oh, yeah, dude. Like better. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to be one up by somebody – <laughs> it better be Mr. Penhody project uh, exactly. or one of the THP guys or something like that. Like it can't mm-hmm. be somebody lame. So uh, anyway, so fast forward to, you know, as soon as, as soon as youth seasons end, I just start waiting and prepping for, um, for Iowa and Wisconsin, you know, real quick, it kind of happened where you were like, Hey, there are leftover tags. Are you getting one? And I was like, one sec. And then I think I was basically like, yeah, I got one already. You know, I dropped the, <laughs> dropped the money to get one. I've always wanted to hunt Iowa. I've always wanted to scout Iowa for deer. And so it was mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a no-brainer for me to hurry up and get that. But got packed up, got ready to go, and in a very short period of time, picked a bunch of public land spots not too far from where you're at. Um, right. And kind of in a circle around that. Mm-hmm. And uh, drove. That radius feature was huge. Dude, the, yeah, the Onyx radius feature. So – I just dropped a pin on where I was camping and put the 10 mile radius and just clicked all the public land spots within that 10 mile radius. And then just a little bit outside of it, which gave me to like a 12, 13 mile radius, which that's as a crow flies. So it may be Mm -hmm. a little bit longer of a drive, but dude, how cool was that? Like very quickly, I sent you a a folder of pins and I'm like, check out all these places. Did you know all those places were there? I knew a handful of them there, but that was most like really mostly just from driving around this area. Yeah. I've peeked at a couple of them on, uh, on X and stuff. But I always think of using radius feature for like, okay, if I'm going to put a tree stand here, where am I in proximity to, you know, water, this bedding, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I hadn't made the connection of like, Oh, you can change the, uh, the meter from yards to miles and run it that way. And yeah, dude, I mean, it was within a couple of hours. You sent me at least 20 some pins saying, what do <laughs> yeah. you think of these? These are pretty good. I just threw It's all within like 12, 13 miles of, uh, where you're at. And I was like, how did you do that? Okay. I see it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, the, yeah. the radius... very underrated feature, but you made quick work. Yeah. Well, and that was honestly, that's kind of how I decided on where I was going to be camping too. Um, <clears throat> which another crazy mm-hmm. thing that like helped this project come together, this campground I was staying at, they're, they're all closed up there pretty much right now, beginning to open up. Yep. And he was like, no, nah, we're not open that time of year. And I was like, dude, I don't need water. I don't need your attention. I don't need amenities. Like I need a place to put my camper and electricity. That's all. Mm-hmm. And he was like, 
Ah, okay, I'll do it. And so he ended up letting me come stay, even though the campground wasn't open. So I was the only person in the campground. It was beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. But so we get up there. Uh, I drive all day long on a Friday. Uh, first day of my tag actually was a Friday. So I drive all day long, get up there, get in there in the dark. And I'm like, I better go find some of these public land spots, you know, rather than wait till tomorrow morning. So at like midnight, I go driving around to different public land spots in, in Iowa, just trying to find parking lots. Like, is this a parking lot? And if so, is there a good trailhead here? You know, you pull up to some parking lots and the trailhead goes 15 yards to a creek and then that's it. I didn't want to run into something like that. And so I went and checked them out and thank goodness I did because, um, all or a lot of those little places said, uh, non-toxic shot only in my 12 gauge. I only Mm -hmm. shoot lead out of my 12 gauge. So I had to make the, a, a good call and bring my kids 410 the next morning, shooting some TSS out of that. Um, and luckily, day one in Iowa comes, sun starts coming up. Uh, I find the spot. I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, this is going to be okay. And then the army starts rolling in. Headlights start flying down the road. I'm like, ah, crap. And then more headlights. And then more headlights and then more headlights. Before the first turkey gobble, I had spoken with four people uh, about where they were going to go on this public land spot. My God. Yeah, and so we're talking 400 acres, 500 acres probably of the, on this one. Yep. Five people, including me, on 500 acres. Luckily, they've all been watching a lot of THP, and they're all headed to the very back of the property. I'm like, sweet. Y'all, <laughs> y'all have mm-hmm. at it. You know, go all the way back in there. One thing I don't like when I pull up to a new spot is to um, just jump all the way back to the very far back of it. If I'm deer hunting or turkey hunting, like you never know what you're burning through, especially when you're turkey hunting like right. early in the season. You never know where those birds are roosted. You know, why would you go crashing all the way back to the back if you don't have the intel? Now, maybe these guys had the intel. I don't know. I, as an out-of-stater, did not have that intel. So I'm like, I'm just going to walk a hundred yards off the parking lot. They've already told me what they're doing. And, um, you know, so I, I'm just going to hang back here. And I'm going to set up on this high spot over this little bottom where I can kind of hear what's all out in front of me. And I'll just wait and see if I hear turkeys gobbling. Well, I'm a hundred yards north of the parking lot. And daylight breaks and it gets, it's past legal shooting time and I'm not hearing anything. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. And then... About 75 yards west of the parking lot, a turkey gobbles. And I'm like, no stinking way. Like, this can't happen. And so I sit there for a minute, and he gobbles again. And I'm like, this can't be happening right now. So he's 75 yards west of the parking lot, and I'm 100 yards north of the parking lot. So I just kind of work my way towards him, hoping he can't see me, because I'm kind of in some open stuff, and there's nothing I can do about it. Like, besides drop off this, like, 50-foot cliff, and try to come up the other side of the bottom. And I'm not doing that at, you know, six o'clock in the morning or whatever. So I work my way down this little edge, get set up. I call bird hammers immediately. And I'm like, Oh dear. Like it's opening morning in for, for first morning for me in Iowa. I'm at this point, 75 yards from the parking lot too. And I can see the parking lot. Like literally I'm sitting here and I, I've got film, I've got footage of it, and you can see the cars in the parking lot and this turkey gobbling his stupid head off. 
And I'm like, this is going to be the dumbest thing ever, you know, for this to happen like this. Then I hear a little, some hen yelps. So the turkey is kind of to my south. And then I hear hens yelping back to my north. And I'm like, I am between him and these hens now. Like, what a good, like, how, how could this get any better? You know, like, this is, this is going to happen. This dude is hot to right. trot. It's opening morning. Everybody else that's come in is all the way to the back. It's already broke daylight, so surely, like, nobody else is coming in, right? Right? Like, nope. Uh, so I sit there <laughs> for another minute, and a truck comes pulling up, and it's old, old Mr. Green Jeans. Uh, I don't know what color they wear. I think it was green uh, there in Iowa. It was game warden. He pulls up, and he gets out of his car, and he looks over, and he, he sees me. And he just kind of looks at me puzzled and he gets back in his car and he sits there and I'm like, uh Oh, is there a regulation that I missed? Like maybe I'm not supposed to be this close to a parking lot. You know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm panicking now. Um, right. Bird goes silent. Bird doesn't make a noise. I hear the Turkey fly down the opposite direction. I keep calling the hens work their way past me going to him where he flew down to. Um, I'm guessing their plan was mm-hmm. probably to work to that ag field where they were headed anyway. But I think he probably would have come to check me out first had that guy not pulled up. But so I grab all my stuff and I get up there right. to him and not sure what to expect. And when I get to his window, he's already got his window rolled down and he goes, dude, I am so sorry. <laughs> and I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> he was like, I, I said, did you hear the bird fly or did you see the bird fly down? He said, I didn't see him, but I heard him fly down. He's like, I was sitting here wondering why in the world somebody set up so close to the parking lot. And then I heard wings and I realized why you're so close to the parking lot. And so he, he held his fingers up. He's like, man, I feel about this tall, you know, it was like an inch. And, uh, anyway, nice guy turned out to be super nice. He told me several public spots that I should check out all of which we had marked already, but he kind of helped yep. me prioritize those on my list. Um, you know, so moved on from there. And of course, as we walk away, I'm like, all right, good, good talk. Thanks so much. Okay, cool. See you later. Oh, wait, by the way, can I see your license? You know, so get the, get the last yeah. minute license check. So, uh, which was good. I thanked him. I was like, Hey, thanks for doing that. I appreciate, you know, you following through on your job, even though we got chummy here. Um, so anyway, I spend the rest of that day visiting every single one of the public land places that, I had marked on that map. I walked all the way to the back of one of them, called and called, nothing. Ended up running into, I think it was three more hunters on that spot, or maybe four. Yeah. Might have been four more hunters on that spot, uh, two of which snuck up behind me where the, I'm sitting next to this field and start calling to my Jake decoy. And I think all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm going to get shot. Like, this is not good. So I stand up, wave my arms, like, hey, don't don't shoot. That's a that's a decoy. Would you politely go the other direction? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, more people, more people, more people. <clears throat> I um, get up, try to hunt my way out, but it's so hot and crunchy. It was like 80-something degrees. I'm like, there's, there's no purpose in me walking through this little creek bottom right now. It's too loud. I'm never going to get within, any, within earshot of anything. I'm better off just spending the day scouting. So I went for a drive, covered all those public land spots. And, man, there were people at every single one of them. That I did not expect. Um, like, I had this idea 
that Iowa was going to have very low population, which it did. I just didn't understand that everyone of that population also turkey hunts. Uh, you know, or, uh, it, it, right. at least it felt <laughs> like it, right? Like they, it was just full, full, full of people. So um, day two or day one. Well, and Iowa is such a, sorry, I think we've got a little bit of lag here. My bad. I was just going to say, and Iowa too is such a, it's such a private land proud state. You know what I mean? It's a state that cares a ton about conservation and the landowners do too. You know, and so I was really, really surprised by the fact that you were saying that dude, every parking lot here is packed. I figured there's got to be a bunch of people who have relatives who farm or know folks who farm just based off of, you know, that's totally based off of my own sort of family tree and family history around these parts. But, you know, it seems like everybody knows somebody who's got acreage or some farm or knows somebody at least who can who can get them onto private and off the public. So I, I really couldn't believe that there was that much public. Uh, pressure where you're at. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters, that are made with a sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm gonna be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. There there definitely was, man, and I, w- I was shocked by it. Um, and so my goal was just to keep moving. I tried to roost birds. Evening of uh, evening number one didn't happen. There were no birds t- gobbling. Again, bad weather front was finally blowing through. So the next morning I go out to uh, the same spot, where I was the day before the same piece of public because that was the most promising of the ones that I've been on. And I thought, well, if those guys didn't get back, back in there and tag out, then maybe those, there are still some birds back in there. So I get about halfway into it. Again, I don't want to be all the way at the back whenever um, daylight comes because I don't want to, I don't want to bump birds. Uh, I want to be about midway through that property where I can hear as much as possible. I start hearing birds on private. Boom. All of a sudden I'm hearing birds on public and I'm like, okay, so I just start like jogging basically to try to get there on time. I didn't make it. They were all the way at the very, very back of the property. I don't think it would have mattered mm-hmm. if I made it anyway because they ended up flying down into a private ag field. And about, I don't know, 30 minutes after they flew down, I heard all – there were four four birds. I heard them all gobble again, and then one of them got shot like immediately. <laughs> so uh, immediately upon gobbling, they sure. caught they caught a face full of lead. So uh, I'm pretty sure that that was probably their daily routine. There was somebody down there who had picked up on, hey, they fly down into this ag field off that public every day, and uh, they got one. So I pack it up. It's starting to rain, mm-hmm. thunderstorm, all that good stuff. And I decide I'm just going to keep, uh, keep scouting. I actually ended up going back, taking a little nap at the camper, um, 
you know, and I was at this point, I'm scouting not for uh, the public land pieces because I've been to all of those and I've seen the pressure on those. And I'm formulating a game plan in my head as I drive around. I like to think while I drive, you know, it's just a really good, really good way for me yeah, to yeah. kind of like, you know, mentally prepare. But I'm also looking for, um, looking for, for private land parcels at this point. So I find a private right. land parcel with six toms out in the field, six, six. And I'm like, this is it. Like, this is definitely it. I work up the courage. I go up there. Hello, ma'am. Can I please hunt your property? Oh, I don't think that'd be a problem at all. Let me go get my husband. Like, uh, you don't need to go get your husband. You can just say not a problem and we can move on. But I didn't say that. (laughs) That's, that's what I wanted to say. Um, but who needs them? We're fine. Yeah. Like, ah, Fred's good, you know, or whatever his name was. But (laughs) Um, anyway, so he ends up coming to the door and he was like, you know what? I would let you hunt except for the fact that some other guy that lives in Georgia stopped by here yesterday and he asked if he could hunt here. And so I told him, (laughs) (laughs) dude, if it had been Dave, (sighs) I'd have had to give Dave a phone call. Be like, look, man, this this has got to stop. Like you're, you're, uh, you got me following you everywhere and, and it's not working out for me. Um, so I don't know who the guy was, but the guy was from Georgia was going to be out there hunting for the next couple of days. He was like, otherwise I'd let you do it. And he's going to be here all weekend. I was like, well, how about Monday? Like I'll, I'll still be here Monday and Tuesday morning. Could I hunt it then? He said, Oh, my, my grandson's going to be out here Monday and Tuesday morning. They're on some kind of break or something from school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, forget it. So, uh, thank them very much. And, I uh, appreciated him, you know, told him, hey, thanks for taking your time to talk to me. Like, you could have just ignored me standing on your doorstep out here. So then on on the road I am again, and I'm just pulling out my hair. I'm looking at all these places. And, you know, one thing I didn't expect, too, uh, in Iowa was really just a lack of cover. Uh, in a lot yeah. of these spots, like a lot of these farms just do not have what I would consider decent cover for hunting turkeys. And what I mean by that. Not, oh, does a turkey roost there at night? Like, yeah, that's that could happen, but I want to be able to get up and make moves on them. I don't want to sit in one mm-hmm. spot all day long while I'm turkey hunting. I mean, yeah, I do that sometimes, especially in Wisconsin and some places where I hunt. But if I can be mobile and, and get up and put moves on the birds, especially because I'm on limited time, that's kind of what I want to do. What I, wanna do. I don't want to try to, um, you know, wait them out. But eventually I find this farm. And it just right. so happens the owner is pulling out. And so I go and I, I flag him down and I say, hey, hey, Mr. Owner, is there any way uh, that you could point me in the direction of some turkeys? I'm not even, I'm not even asking if, he, if I can hunt there right now. Like, I'm just, can you point me in the direction of turkeys? Mm-hmm. And he's like, have you tried this spot, that, that spot, this spot? And because I'd been to all the other public land places, I was able to say, yeah, and I ran into three guys here and two guys here, and this parking lot was full of people and blah, blah, blah. And so he goes, you know, I usually don't let people hunt here. And I was like, you know what? That's totally fine. I totally get it. I really just need some – I'm just looking for local advice right now. Like, what do you know of the area? Do you see a lot of turkeys? Is there anywhere in here that you see a bunch of turkeys when you're driving around where maybe I can go talk to that landowner? Um, Not asking, you know – not pushing to try to get on your property. And he was like, well, I think I might be able to help you out. And he says, you ever heard of so-and-so and so-and-so? And And I was like, yes, I have to ah, some bigger names in the outdoor industry. Let's, let's put it that way. Bigger names in the outdoor industry. 
who hunt in Iowa yearly, like a lot. And I said, yeah, I've heard of them. He says, they used to hunt this place for deer. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And he said, they're why I don't let people hunt this place anymore. I was like, oh, really? Why so? He says, well, they lie about everything. I was like, oh, okay. They lie about, lie about everything. All right. So, um, I'm really sorry you had that experience. He was like, and he, he elaborated, like, I'm not pulling any of this. He elaborated. Right. They, they bait for deer, which isn't legal here in Iowa. And they say that this is how the hunt happened. And that's not at all how it happened. Or they'll say, you know, I've been hunting this deer all season and they haven't been hunting it all season. They pulled in last night and they shot it this morning, you know, and he was like, they just, and then they stage things for the pictures and for the videos. And it's just, he was like, everything they do is a lie. And I was like, well, look, I'm sorry you had that experience. I'm not like a larger personality in the hunting industry, but I am like, this is how I'm making my living right now. Just so cards are on the table. And, you know, I totally understand that changes things for you. I just want to be up front. I will have a video camera in my hand. Um, and he says, no, I, I think I got somewhere you can hunt. So he takes me over to this field and he says, do you see that log down there pushed over that stump? I said, yeah. He said, you can go sit by that stump. I don't want you walking all around my farm. I don't want you traipsing all through the bottom. He said, but you can go sit by that stump right there. The turkeys like to roost behind you. And, um, you know, if you don't have a turkey by Tuesday morning when you're supposed to be done hunting, I'd be surprised. Says, okay, that, that sounds good to me. And it's kind of early afternoon at that point, like two in the afternoon, two 30, something like that. Uh, and at this point I feverishly start texting people like, oh my goodness, I got property that so-and-so is used to hunt and can't believe I'm going to get to hunt this place. Cause I've just got a good feeling, right? Like just got a good feeling. And, um, The way this spot laid out was there was a creek bottom where two creeks kind of came together. It's like a little, a little peace sign almost of three, three, I guess, technically two creeks, but it it all came together at like a triangle kind of little area. So yep, yep, little confluence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you call that thing, Mister Fishing Guide. Uh, you you know the right terms (laughs) for it, (laughs) but. All back behind the ag field is, is timbered ridges that are a little bit steeper. The ag field is kind of steep too. And yeah. this, this stump where I'm supposed to sit by is down in the bottom, like down, down, down in the bottom, way down, which is going to be great because it's supposed to be snowy. It's supposed to be, you know, 30 mile an hour winds gusting up to 40 the next day. Um, and I figure, you know, number one, if I hear birds gobble, it'll be a miracle. And number two, if the birds want to be anywhere, it'll be out of the wind and out of the weather. So I get in there the next morning, more snow on the ground than I expected, um, windier than I expected. I got out of the car at the top of the hill and was just, it It was like that kind of wind where it just picks up the snow and just like slices your face like glass. Yeah. You know, it just hurts. That's what was going on. And I was like, screw, this is not turkey season. Like this, this is not turkey hunting. This is like late season deer hunting. Maybe this is not turkey hunting. So, right. um, but I get down in there to the bottom, uh, daylight starts to roll around and birds start gobbling right behind me, right where the guy says they should be. He said, they like to roost down here in that bottom. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So I'll play the game. So I let out a couple of calls. Boom. They fired back immediately and it's cold and it's windy and it's gross. And I'm like, there's no way this is happening. Well, Sure enough, these 
turkeys like start losing their minds. I'll yelp. They're not interested. But if I cluck and purr, they freak out. And if I cut at them, they freak out. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is it. And, uh, we go back and forth and then I just go quiet on them until I can tell they're on the ground. I'm like, okay, here we go. They're, they're right up the ridge behind me and woods are wide open still. There's no undergrowth going on in Iowa at this point. Right. And I can't see them back behind me, but I can hear them just gobbling like crazy up on the top of this ridge looking for this hen that they thought should be there. So I give them just a series of yelps. I don't want to do any cutting. I don't want to be too extreme. They're on the ground. They're looking already. Um, but I wanted to make sure they hear it. So I don't want to do like a purr or something like that and them not hear it with the wind and all because they're on the ground now. They're not up in the air. It's going to be harder for them to hear me. So I just right. give them a couple of yelps and uh, they quit gobbling altogether. And I'm like, well, I either spooked them because they, they hadn't been liking the yelps all morning or they're coming and looking. And next thing you know, I look back over my shoulder and here they come down the ridge uh, kind of in a fast walk towards the food plot. They get to the edge of, or the, the, the ag field, yeah. the food plot. They get to the edge of it. They see the decoys and they freeze and they look at them for a second. I'm like, Oh no, this is it. They don't like the decoys. And then man, they just sprinted straight in. Um, <laughs> never stopped to strut or anything like that, but just a beautiful, beautiful, uh, sight against the, uh, snow covered ag field behind them. And, and I let it eat, man, and I filled my Iowa tag. Yeah. So. Awesome, man. Yeah, it was good. That's so sick. Yeah. He, I, I forgot you mentioned they didn't uh, they didn't strut one bit. They just came in hot, and uh, you said they kind of, like, one of them was definitely the more dominant one, correct? And, yeah, they were yeah. kind of eyeing up and puffing out his chest a little bit at your, at your Jake decoy, and the other one sort of held back because, we were discussing your, uh, your shot size and stuff on that long weird XR. And, uh, you were nervous that it wasn't going to have the, the backbone to, uh, get the job done at longer ranges, but yeah, man, so the, the, this year I'm using long beard XRs, which is, you know, it's a great load, but I'm using them in number sixes and I've never used number sixes before for turkeys. Mm-hmm. I've always used number fours. And so I was a little bit nervous, like, would it have the knockdown power, you know, to, to get it done? I needed to put the decoys a little bit further from me because I had a feeling the turkeys would be coming from behind me because that's where the, the cover was, basically. And I thought, man, if they're, if they're behind me and those decoys are too close, like, the odds of them seeing me are, are just too great. And so I ended up putting them, you know, 25-ish yards which I usually like my decoys to be at like 13 yards, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, want a really right. close shot. Um, but I, I had them out there like 25, 26 yards and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, rolled him no problem. But yeah, the one was definitely the dominant bird of the two. Like, uh, he, he, the, the less dominant one ran out into the field first and then just kind of like held back and circled the decoy. The more dominant yeah. one just passed him right up and was like, no, this is, <laughs> This is not happening on my watch, you know, came right in. So right. Uh, I need to get better about letting him like flog the decoy for a little bit, man. Cause as soon as I got a good clean shot and he separated from the other one, I let him have it. So no uh, man, you're hunting, not filming, man. I, you know, the more I do it, the more I'm like, I, I am filming too, but I'm still at that stage though, where it's like, if it's, if it's the choice of getting it on film or getting it, getting the bird on the ground, 
Mm-hmm. I'm getting that bird on the ground every single time, uh, well, especially right. especially right. with the tacticams because you know you're getting whatever that's pointed at. So your mm-hmm. your big camera may not have a ton of footage, and you may not have a ton of footage from the tacticam if the bird you know runs out and then you see it point shoot. You may not have a ton of footage, but it's better than nothing, right? Like, and it, you've got right. the memory on hand. Uh, but luckily, I had four cameras rolling that morning, so. Uh, there's no excuse for, for not having the footage on that one. But anyway, yeah, well, man. And you were so, uh, you know, that on, on that note too, I mean, I, I recall talking to, to a guy who used to be on the Whitetail Adrenaline team who said, like, dude, the number of deer that you get one shot in your lifetime at, the number of deer that I've had to pass up because the lighting wasn't good and we weren't going to get the footage of it and stuff, like, I had to quit. It wasn't worth it. Like you, you, you got to hunt the animal first. You're there to hunt. You got the cameras rolling. You know, the film can come, but if it's if it's a little subpar, I, I think that's all right. If you got a field tag. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I will say this, man. I, I went. I pulled up my hard drive today to try to find the footage, and I can't find the footage from my main camera, uh, from my Iowa bird. So oh, no, I haven't pulled the SD card out. I think I wiped the SD card after. I pulled that footage off of it though. So I don't know what happened. Uh, there's a chance that I lost everything except for oh, my point of view no. cameras, but that's all right. I had uh, three mm-hmm. point of view cameras going. I had the 5.0 pointed out there at the decoys. I had the 6.0 on the end of my gun. Um, if I'd had time, I would have had another 6.0 pointed over too. I just didn't have it on me. And so, uh, yeah, so I've got it. I've got the footage. I've got everything I need. I've got me walking in. I've got the setup. I've got a shot looking back at me while I'm in there and you see me pick up the call and give that last yelp and then pick up the gun and they run out. And so, I mean, you, you got it all. It would just be really nice to have that, that main camera footage. Um, but there's right. a, there's a chance I right. lost it. And I guess it could have happened when, you know, maybe it didn't finish converting or transferring the files before I unplugged the, the sure. hardware or the hard drive or, I don't know what could have happened, man, but uh, there's a chance I lost it. So, anyway, and the Iowa tag was filled. Iowa's got some friendly folks. Yeah, man. Iowa's got some friendly folks. You know, uh, I think permission would not have been all that hard to find. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if I, because I I asked two people, I didn't even ask the second one. He ended up offering it. I just kind of told him I was looking for a place to turkey hunt. And he immediately was like, I don't let people hunt my place. And then he was like, ah, maybe I can help you out. So, you know, if, if you count that as an ask, then, you know, I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm batting 500 in Iowa, which is not bad when it comes to to finding a place to turkey hunt. You come down here to the South, I bet you nine out of 10 are going to say no. If not more than nine out of 10 are going to say no. Um, another lesson if you are going to Iowa, do not get the second season for turkey. And here's why. The first season for turkey does not have a weekend in it. The second season for turkeys is the first we is the first Iowa season for residents and non-residents that has a weekend attached to it. So that's why it was all the pressure. This was basically everyone's opening day. Unless you're one of those guys that was like, hey, I'm just getting out in the mornings before work or I'm taking these days off of work or something like that. Um, Yeah, that was was pretty much going to be it. Like, 
I asked the game warden, I was like, dude, why are there people everywhere? Because he, he had said the same thing. He's like, yeah, there's people all over. He's like, you should have been at X, Y, and Z public spot down the road, which I'll tell you which one that one is as soon as we get off. Um, he was mm-hmm. like, you should have been over there. There were birds gobbling all over the place and only one car in the parking lot. I'm like, well, that's great to know now. Why why didn't you just stay over there in that parking lot instead of driving over here? Because I'd have a dead bird right now. No, I'm just kidding. I, right. I wasn't feeling that attitudinal <laughs> about it, but uh, I honestly – I honestly don't think that bird would have done anything different. I think that bird planned to fly mm-hmm. down and go get into that ag field, and I think he was confident his hens would have come. I think I had a a decent shot of him coming to check me out if that guy hadn't pulled up. But I know for a fact that when that guy pulled up, he stopped gobbling. And so I know it it right. bumped him. Now, whether that whether he would have come my direction, I don't know. I was within 75 yards, though. I mean, I was I was maybe 55, 60 yards right. from where he was roosted. So got right. real close, especially for early season. Like, I was pushing it hard, but I, I had to, given the terrain, given yeah. some, like, edge feathering that had been done, I had to get to where I was or I wasn't going to get a shot and get close enough. So, um, yeah, man, and that was Iowa. Right. That's hilarious. You got to just think about how many hunters that, that gobblers just watched walk out of that parking lot and just beeline it straight to the back. Right. Right. Like how many people are thinking, uh, and just getting missed, like just yeah. missed. Yeah. Just people just drive right past him. You know, I mean, he was, he was literally, so there's a parking, there's the first parking lot where I parked and then there's one, maybe 150 yards down and the road that runs between them. He was, he was roosted directly over the road. Like, literally on, I mean, on the road. If I'd sat in the road, I would have seen him on the limb, probably. So how many people does he watch just drive back and forth? Really? You know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So he could see two parking lots from where his roost tree was. (laughs) Yeah. That's another lesson, I guess, for Iowa, then, is just look up. Even if you can't. Well, yeah, man. Even if you can't hear them. You never know where they're going to be. That that's exactly right. Like that is exactly right, and especially on a on a less than ideal weather day, you know. And and that was one of my goals for going into this trip was, hey, I really want to shoot a bird on a on a bad weather day. Uh, and I right. that was certainly a bad weather day. Uh, another thing I learned, at least in Iowa, it doesn't matter if it's cold, it doesn't matter if it's windy, it doesn't matter if it's rainy. Those birds are goblins somewhere. You know, like I always, right. people always, ah, I'm not going to go out today. It's going to be windy. And so the turkeys aren't going to be gobbling. And that mm-hmm. may be true for some places, you know, down here in the South where it's more leafed out already. When that wind blows, you can't hear a thing because everything in the woods right. is rocking and rolling. It's already hard to hear the turkeys because of the humidity, hard to hear them because of leaf out. Um, and so it may be true down here in the South of like, ah, if it's windy and rainy, probably not going to be a great day for goblin. That's not, that doesn't mean they're not gobbling. It means you can't hear them. Um, right. But, dude, this turkey or these turkeys that I ran into, uh, the first, let's see, that first morning was good weather. The next morning was bad weather. It was nasty. It was rainy. Uh, and they were still fired up and gobbling, some on private, some on public. And then that next morning, wind blowing, snowing, the temperature had dropped even more. The wind chill was in, like, the low 20s. And they were fired up and ready mm-hmm. to go. So, uh, you know, I think it, that just goes to, to show like 
there are no absolutes when when you know when it comes to turkey hunting. There there is no like oh well it's a windy day so I'm not going to go. Like it's just right. If it's the time you have set aside to go, then you have to go. You know, and that mm-hmm. that was kind of the constant throughout my trip was like if I had decided well it's not good weather today, it's not ideal turkey hunting weather, therefore I'm not going turkey hunting today. Well, I would have pretty much just missed my entire trip to Iowa and Wisconsin because the weather sucked for like a week and a half. Right. <laughs> you know, it basically from after that first day, I did not have another, what I would consider like ideal weather day. Um, mm-hmm. Except for maybe that morning that I scouted in Wisconsin where I set up on a field and I had strutters all around me. Right. And I, had, I had to basically belly crawl down <laughs> there, but I, I think I'm going to have to save that one for another episode. Cause we're coming up on 53 minutes now, but um, yeah, man, that's sure. Iowa in a nutshell. Sure. Any, any, any thoughts or questions that like are left unprobed? Actually, I well, I think to... my, my biggest question here. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. I was just going to say my, my biggest question there is, you know, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about Onyx and you're using that radius feature and doing all that e-scouting and going into a spot that, I mean, a state flat out that you had no idea. You ne- never set foot in. You really knew nothing about it aside from, you know, what yeah. we've heard people say, what we've heard people, you know, talk about, um, what we've seen on YouTube, all that kind of stuff. And yet you go in there and you find birds. Granted, highly pressured birds, but you're finding birds, you're on gobbling turkeys. Um, you run into the game warden in the in the parking lot and he says, Yeah, no, you're you're pretty much on it with these pins that you were uh that you've dropped here. Yep. I'll help you prioritize them a little bit here just off of my local knowledge. What were, if you had to pick three things, maybe not, not even going to put a number on it. What were the, the key things that, uh, that you think really paid off with your e-scouting? What were you looking for on Onyx um, that really helped you get on bird quick yeah, in a so, totally foreign state to you? So I was looking for that good mix of ag and cover. Um, that was kind of a a pretty big key for me. A lot of people hate field birds and they're not my favorite either, but I mean, I'm, I I like to be able to see turkeys and I like to know that they're around. And if you've got a, Mm -hmm. a picked cornfield in early Turkey season before the bugs come out and everything, you can be pretty sure. And and that's by some, some cover with some good Oaks. You can be pretty sure there's going to be a lot of turkeys in there, you know? Um, maybe not right. so much later in the year when the bugs are out and other food sources start to kind of pop off a little bit, but that early season, you have a hard time getting away from a picked cornfield for me. I, I have a hard time with that. So sure. good mix of ag and cover. I also wanted to find an area with a high concentration of public land spots in the area. <clears throat> you know, we talked about where you were. I'd also looked at another town like an hour north of there. A um, mm-hmm. couple spots that I was trying to figure out. And honestly, where you were had a really good concentration of public land spots. So I want I wanted that personally so that I could hop around from place to place to place to place, um, you know, so that I, I had lots and lots of options. And, and, man, I ended up burning through the options. So that worked out right. really well for me as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, not close to any large population center. I mean, that was... I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's a couple towns in there, but I think all of them have about 14 people in them, you know. Um, they I told just, you, it's rural out here. Yeah, yeah, dude, it is rural. And <laughs> they, just all, they just all happen to be turkey hunters. Like, that's, you know, the only problem yep. is they're all turkey hunters. So, 
um, yeah, those are my, my three big, I guess, e-scouting takeaways um, from the turkey season. So, man, Pierce, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. We'll have to do a part two. You bet, man. Uh, for Absolutely, yeah. This Wisconsin. Because uh... I did not have my Wisconsin tag for as long as I had my Iowa tag, and I didn't have my Iowa tag for that long either. So No, you did not. Yeah. Ended up going pretty well. And that's so. another pretty darn good story. That's right. I look I look forward to sharing it some more, man, because uh, for as much bad stuff as there is going on around the country with turkey numbers and that kind of thing, and as much concern as there is, I tell you what, where I hunt for turkeys in Wisconsin, it sure doesn't look like a down year there. I mean, it is, it's the most turkeys that I've seen right. in four years of turkey hunting there. It's the highest population of turkeys that I've seen. Awesome, man. Can't wait to burn my, one of my tags out there. Anyways, well, man, I got to run. Thanks for coming on the show. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.